Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor, editor at Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW uh, Comics World. Uh, check us out at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Uh, and you can also find us on social media at, uh, at PW Comics World on Twitter and Facebook.com slash PWComicsWorld. Uh, and you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. So t- today I'm uh, actually thrilled to um, to have as guests uh, not only a really terrific illustrator, uh, comics artist, organizer, uh, general visual uh, troublemaker, visual and uh, social troublemaker, uh, and also an old, old friend, uh, Peter Cooper. So welcome to More to Come. Thank you. Um, uh, we're we're going to talk about a couple of things here, uh, your, your publications, but most importantly, uh, your teaching uh, and this class that you've had at Harvard. I've, obviously, the two things, uh, comics and Harvard, <laughs> are sure to get us some, uh, some extra viewers. Um, but first, uh, I think I, I, what I'd love for you to talk to the more to come audience, give, give us a quick overview of your background. I mean, you've done so many things from... Comics illustration to co-founding, uh, really one of the ter- terrific journals of uh, graphic uh, advocacy comics. So, uh, if you could just give us a quick background, we'd appreciate it. Uh, how far back do you want me to go? Yeah. <laughs> oh, start at the beginning, but move okay. quickly. I'll How's move that? Quickly. Okay. Well, I grew up in Cleveland. And, uh, uh, oh, yes, I can't leave that out. Yeah, a very important yeah, city with, in our uh, business. Apparently, you know, there's something in the water there. Uh, uh, you got, you know. Uh, Siegel and Schuster, and, absolutely. Uh, Harvey Picar there. Um, uh, I grew up with uh, Seth Tabachman, um, and we lived a street apart. And I uh, met Harvey Picar when I was probably uh, maybe eleven or twelve, and mm-hmm. he was a hospital worker and hadn't done any of American Splendor at that uh-huh. time. And uh, uh, Seth and I both respectively moved to New York um, and ended up at Pratt Institute. And oh, that's a long association. That uh, was a long association. <laughs> well, from starting in first grade. Yes, yeah. Yes, and we both got very interested in comics about age seven and mm-hmm. then uh, reconnected on that heavily when we were mm-hmm. about 11 and started coming to New York for comic conventions and uh, then did fanzines back mm-hmm. in Cleveland and... Uh, I uh, got to interview Robert Crumb for one of them. He, yeah. he came through town and stayed with Harvey and incidentally ran to into him. things yeah. off in, uh, and, in the fanzine biz. Yeah, but, you know, he didn't do Spider-Man. So I was like, Who, you know, what exactly does this guy do? <laughs> so I was Ooh, 13, so 12 at the time, so it, it's a little different. Uh, I was very excited about interviewing Jack Kirby, mm. too, and Bill mm. Gaines and a bunch of the people that we got to. That's, was, oh, that's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. well, it was, a, it was yeah. an opportunity. Going to conventions in the early 70s was an opportunity to meet these people and actually see working cartoonists. And it made it less remote so mm-hmm. that it probably helped pull me into the sphere of that world in a way that it didn't. It, it seemed like something that one could do as an adult. Yes. Uh, so uh, we ended up in New York and at Pratt, and then um, we were... Doing comics, but uh, pretty much in, at, in 1979, the mm. underground comic scene had died. There was very few outlets for uh, getting uh, the kind of work that we were doing, especially uh, since we were doing like political, mm-hmm. social commentary in comics. I mean, comics right off the bat was a problem because in art school there were, I don't think, any teachers that were you know deeply supportive of it. Maybe yeah. one, mm. and. Um, uh, a story that many comics artists have to tell about being discouraged, uh, oh, certainly yeah. initially. Yeah, well, I, I, um, at the same time I was at Pratt, Dan Klaus was there, and uh, Kent Williams, and uh, George Pratt. There was a bunch of people who were 
you know, it, it was circulating around. It was in the air. You know, again, it was probably in the water somewhere in, in New York <laughs> sewer system. Um, and um, so since we, Seth and I had done fanzines before, the idea of doing a, a magazine was just not so far-fetched. And so since we were having trouble getting published, we just decided to self-publish not only our own work, but the work that we were seeing around town. And there was just amazing work being yeah. done at that time. A lot of things that were showing up on lampposts. So this is the birth of World War Three Illustrated. That's the birth of World War Three Illustrated. Jump forward now to, uh, well, uh, this June, yeah. the 35th anniversary anthology is yes. about to be published um, that uh, PM Press um, did. And um, it's a hardcover, full-color a uh, 320-page book, which, contrary to the magazine, which tends to be black and white and was on newsprint, yes, yes. I mean, still is on newsprint. But you, and, you, did, the, you did a Kickstarter. Uh, and we did a uh, Kickstarter, yeah, well, when, we, when we got the kind printing of bill. Kind of the, the production values. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it gave us a chance to show the way the work, you know, could look and should look. And in some cases, there were pieces that we had that we published in black and white that were in color, like James Romberger, mm-hmm. for example, that... I had always wanted to see in color, and this is finally an opportunity to do that. Mm. And even the pages that weren't full color were we printed in color because they were. If, if you scanned from the original uh, first issue of the magazine, there was that wonderful yellowing that you got from. Yeah. That. Mm. Um, at the same time, uh, PM is also publishing a new edition of the System. Yes, which yeah. is a book that I did for uh, uh, DC Vertigo, which was a very it's a strange moment in time back in 1970. <laughs> yes, I mean funny. 1996. And uh, that I got to do a wordless, all stencil, spray paint, um, pretty much, uh, you know, not certainly not superhero or fantasy. Book. Certainly not. <laughs> and um, and that was just you know the the window opened briefly, and I got that book done, and then then the window closed. And you were gracious enough to ask me to uh, to do a a foreword or an introduction to the Intr- book. Yeah. Uh, and I was uh, you were gracious once again. Uh, to let me update it for uh, this new edition, or vice uh, versa, of, you were gracious of, uh, enough to the do system. It. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. So, well, either way, I'm 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 actually flattered to be a part of it. Um, really, a terrific book, and really captures a certain thing about New York: the random connectedness of the community of, you know, of all of us here uh, scrambling and and scuffling to make it. Well, so, it, I mean, it covers something that, that still interests me, which is that sort of intersection of people's lives and and events mm. and how we're constantly crisscrossing and how that simultaneity and the idea that, you know, it's the butterfly flapping yeah, its wings yeah. in China, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, but that, you know, taking that on the microcosm where, you know, just how we are interacting with each other and just even a subway ride can lead to who knows what. Yeah, from graffiti artists to uh, to strippers to... Uh, taxi drivers. Taxi drivers. To uh, bombers. Yeah, yes, yes, yes little, to, pre, uh, to the, the death of Michael Stewart or Yousef yeah, Stewart. As, yeah. uh, uh, it it, it mimes, mimes the, the reality of New York to recreate yeah. a very similar uh, reality in well there were, you know all the things that were going on during that time period that were that made and when I first moved to New York where there was a garbage strike son of sam was rampaging around killing people um this is you know it's yeah, becoming yeah, like yeah, old yeah. history that nobody's even yeah. barely heard of but um it's sort of like touching on on those kinds of things and actually very quickly could you talk also about your Oaxaca diary 
um, and drawn to New York. Just very quickly, great. I want to get your um, publication in before we start talking education. Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I moved to uh, to Mexico in uh, 2006, thinking I was going to get a little break from uh, years of George Bush, and you know, my, my wife and daughter <laughs> and I would, you know, work on our Spanish and and just have a little little sabbatical, and we landed in this this beautiful town in southern Mexico called Oaxaca, and it turned out there was a teacher strike going on. Yeah. The governor, very corrupt, had stolen the election, and that it uh, uh, blew up into a, a pretty major event where there were federal troops, and uh, I don't know, 23 people were killed, yeah. uh, and I, you know, my, my little rest turned into me doing a lot of drawing about what was going on there, and uh, incidentally, uh, an American got killed um, somebody who turned out to have done work for World War three so there was oh, really talk wow. about the interconnectedness Brad wow. will Wow um, yeah, I, didn't, was, I didn't realize it he was down there and I had not crossed paths with him and then when he was killed um, he went down oh. to report on it uh, for, oh. for uh, um, indie media and um, um, and I, I just I learned that that mm. not only was he there but that that he'd been killed and that all the people that I knew back in New York were who knew him. And that that's what triggered federal troops coming to Oaxaca. And it went from oh. the strike that was it was an annual strike that had been going on for 25 years. Every year they'd have mm. this little short strike. The teachers would get their modest pay raise and enough money to mm. buy pencils and books. And then they'd go go back to yeah. teaching. This year the governor attacked them and it turned it into a seven-month strike with, that brought in all these other yeah. uh, um, different organizations to, to, that supported the teachers. And uh, that, so I ended up doing a lot of drawing about that, and then that turned into a book called uh, Diario de Oaxaca, and I connected with a Mexican publisher as well as PM, and, and they joined forces to publish that. And, and it's a beautiful book. Uh, just a, a, a really unique combination of sketches, comics, commentary, uh, and reporting. Uh, so. Did, just yeah. to throw in my two cents. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it was something, it was one of those things I had no intention of, or I hadn't thought about it as being a book, and, but I was writing a blog about it, and I, was, and I was drawing every day, and as I got closer to the end of my time there, I knew that there was a lot of information in Oaxaca that I wanted to just, I wanted to remember for sure, so I started drawing very intensely every day, and that ended up being enough material for a whole book. Um, which was then followed when I returned, um, just in time for Obama's election and the crash, and so many things going on all at once. Uh, my landlord great to stuff for a cartoonist, you know. <laughs> yes, it was the grist for the mill. Yes, and um, I and I kept on sketchbooking in New York, kind of the way I had been doing it in in mm. Oaxaca, and that turned into a book called uh, um, uh, Drawn to New York, uh, and then which really kind of encapsulate, encapsulates. Excuse my. Puffy speech, and we both know I just came from the dentist. That um, um, kind of encompasses your whole time in New York. Yeah, it was. It was. I was trying to do some of that. Um, that the experience that I had in Mexico, where I was encapsulating two years because mm. we ended up staying a, a second year. Um, I tried to do the same thing for thirty-six years in New York, <laughs> and as a result of all that drawing and, and all the experiences in Mexico, I'm, I'm now in just uh, finishing penciling a 320-page new graphic novel wow. called Ruins that uh, um, Self-Made Hero is going to publish um, in... Whoa, great publisher. Yep, yep. Yeah, awesome. So I'm very excited great. about so that. Great, so you heard it here first. Um, you know, more to come nation. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's that's uh, awesome. Um, uh, well, you know, let's... 
I think can we let's six way segue right now. Excuse my puppy mouth. Uh, to Harvard and a, and a comics class. Now, where did you go to school yourself? I went to Pratt. I went to Pratt, uh, right. and mm-hmm. I, I also went to Art Students League uh-huh. briefly. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, but you know, mostly School of Hard Knocks and yeah, reading sure. com- a million comics. So, first, tell us. I mean, what's the name of the class and and what you do in it very quickly? But and then give us a build up to how this came about. Okay, uh, I should probably roll it back to I sure. started teaching mm-hmm. at School of Visual Arts okay. uh, back in I think eighty six, eighty seven. That was my the first comics class mm-hmm. I taught, and I was teaching continuing ed there. And um, uh, I just I've been interested in the form and and always sort of want, wanted to share it in some way. In fact, it's that kind of like the crusade that so many cartoonists, I think, feel and have felt, mm-hmm. especially having gone through many, many years where doing comics was something that was just so few people looked at them. You didn't have comics yeah. in bookstores. Um, it was just... It was, it was a different time. It was a different time. It was like this, <laughs> you know, this hidden secret world. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to share that. And, I, you know, I, I, I thought then and still think that it's, it's the most interesting art form, has more possibilities for... Sure doing pretty much everything that you want and it's still in its infancy in, in so many ways. So that, that mm-hmm. sharing and also uh, teaching is a way for me to remind myself of all the aspects of comics which are just, mm-hmm. you know, there's a thousand different ways to approach a page and things to think about and um, that um, I was certainly inspired by Will Eisner's uh, mm-hmm. book on, on teaching sure. comics and he was teaching at the School of Visual Arts um, I think I, he may still have been there actually when I mm-hmm. when I started teaching. And sort of reinforces the nuances, the complexities of the form, um, exactly, yeah. mm-hmm. and, or the and, medium. And mm-hmm. you know, the the good fortune of it was I had some students like James Sturm was one of my students back. Oh, then, that's interesting. In, in early days, <laughs> and uh, Sam Henderson, and a whole handful. Great, of, great. Uh, mm-hmm. of really great cartoons that came out, mm-hmm. and you know, not. I, I'm not taking credit for it. I'm just saying they just happen <laughs> well, to be there as well. I will, you know. <laughs> but but uh, no, it's just you know people that are that stayed interested in the form, and so it's always very heartening to see that and to and have gone on to be very prominent cartoonists in, themselves. Indeed, indeed, starting art schools. Yes, I know. Uh, speaking of education, of James, yeah, James Stern. So uh, I taught there. I taught at Parsons. Uh, I I taught a, mm. um, a master's illustration class at, at FIT. Great. Uh, and basically, you know, the 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 joy of putting forward a lot of these ideas which mm-hmm. includes doing political comics doing political illustration trying mm-hmm. to get you know social commentary into it the kind of work that I, that appeals to me and get people to do you know less uh, uh, escapist comics and mm-hmm. more embracist yes there you go and engages uh, and engages <laughs> embracist uh, yeah, so it. you know things that that we'll talk about day to day life and mm-hmm. and think and again that's you know the forms in its infancy in that area in particular Um, and so uh, through I'm not sure what road uh, the animation the head of the animation department um, the um, uh, Ruth Lingford Mm -hmm. um, contacted me and uh, the the animation department at Harvard Mm -hmm. yes at Harvard Um, she contacted me um, the pressure had been building at Harvard Ah. uh, um, so what year are we talking about here uh, the first year I taught there was I think uh, let's see 2012 uh, Eleven. Uh-huh. Okay. And um, and so I'm a visiting professor, which is it's an ongoing. It, it, the, I can teach up to I think s- three years, um, but since it's not consecutive, it's going to end up being 
six, seven years that I'll end up being there potentially, mm-hmm. um, which is great. Because now, what does that mean? You you I, I you have to take a semester off or what, I no I just no. I, I mean I can well I. I what usually happens, they like to mix it up and bring mm-hmm. in different, have different visiting professors. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I was there in 2011. I just finished a semester, um, mm-hmm. the, the winter term, and um, I'll probably be back there again in the fall of um, 2015. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, so it goes, it's been going yeah, like so that. You, you and that's good because yeah. mm-hmm. also it's, it's uh, quite the commute. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm going up for, I just go up for, uh, a, you know, like, Take yeah. a train up. Mm-hmm. Is it a, uh, is it once and, a week? How yeah, often it's is once a, a week, mm-hmm. and it's a four hour class. So it's mm-hmm. a, it's, so it's a, a pretty. What's amazing is how uh, quickly that time goes by, mm-hmm. and I, I always end up out of time yeah, at yeah. the end mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the four hours, and that's just with mm-hmm. twelve students. Very interesting. So so break it down. I mean, what what, what do you teach, and and how do you teach it, and how many students uh, do you usually get? Um, well, actually, uh, this last round, I think I had 40 students apply to the class. Uh, the way they work it at Harvard is I uh, actually interview each student. Uh-huh. I have like a three-minute interview. And, Interesting. Uh, and then get to narrow it down to 12 students. Uh-huh. And they uh-huh. and 12 turns out to be – I actually yeah. – um, there was some error, and, and two students uh, didn't realize that they had to respond and to be in the class. And so then I, I – they were like, oh, wait, I wanted to be in that class. And since it, I'm not offering it all the time, I end up with 14 students, which turned out to be actually kind of just too, too many. Uh-huh. So 12 is actually so it was the sweet an ideal spot. number. Interesting. It, it is. Um, hmm. Just when, you know, when... Um, so anyway, to, to take it from the top, yeah, the, the class is called Graphic Novel, only because if I call the comics, then... People want to think it was a, cl- a clown class or something. You know, <laughs> yes, or it's you know, stand up. Yeah, the, the, the title of, conflict. Yes, the title of, of uh, my my class at School of Visual Arts is outside the box, mm-hmm. and that you know I, I could play around with the title more there because they have a comic you know, yeah, devoted comics true. department. Whereas at uh, at Harvard, it's really pretty much um, mm-hmm. I'm the comics. It's very person. interesting how graphic novel has sort of taken over, certainly among a certain. New audience, uh, new participants in the business where uh, they, uh, in some ways I find it annoying because uh, <laughs> uh, it, they, it, they seem to think that comics is somehow a pejorative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the graphic well, novel means uh, it's serious. not, it, it doesn't attract stupid people. Yeah. But that's so, you know, it's it's an annoying thing, but we'll get over it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I... I I merely want people to know what the course is. Yes, and, 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 and since yes, that's understood, I, and it is amazing that, that it's, it's pretty much universally understood all of a sudden that that's what it means. That, yeah. that it in fact means comics. Well, you know, I know I have an image in my head when when somebody says graphic novel, and it you know it starts with mouse and, yeah. and mm-hmm. you know yeah. Persepolis and work by. I, I just immediately there are no costumes involved. Yes, and, <laughs> yes, and, yes. But, which of course cartoon. you know if you go look in a graphic novel <laughs> section. At, at the few remaining bookstores, they, they've jammed all that together. Yeah. And it is, you know, there's no distinguishing line. So it's just all in our brains. Yeah. But, but, it, but it does, it works. And I'm glad that we have terms that people will understand that yeah. makes it clear that, um, okay, yeah, that's, it's a bookstore yeah. book. That, uh, and more importantly, uh, as, as we say sometimes, civilians understand. Civilians you know, understand, they, you, right. you know, as I put it, people who are curious about comics but not obsessed about comics like most of the people I know. Right, right. <laughs> they they, they want to know comics and they want to read them. You know, they may not, you know, go around all day long <laughs> worrying about them, uh, you know, like some yeah, of us. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
Yes. I know we're all in, in constant, on edge about what's happening. But, um, but, it, but, but anyway, very interesting. So, so um, I, it's a 14, 15 week class. Mm-hmm. And pretty much I launched them from, from day one. I mean, I do these interviews. And by the end of the session of interviews, I've narrowed it down to the 12. And then I go like, oh, and here's the assignment. And the assignment, my, my first assignment is I have them do a copy of any comics page they, they choose and just an eyeball copy. They and just I, copy a page. Just copy a page. Just, do it, mm-hmm. I suggest they do it larger. Um, it's a really good exercise. I found myself doing that sure. as, mm-hmm. as well. And that it's really a great way to get in your fingertips mm-hmm. somebody else's approach. And that uh, I found like I, one of my early jobs um, to, to jump back in time mm-hmm. was sure. inking Richie Rich. Ah. An ironic moment in time <laughs> um, that the poor little oligarch. Yes, yeah. Didn't you do a parody? I did. Yeah, Richie yeah, came, Bush. That's yes, correct. of yes. course. <laughs> I did a parody. Came in handy, that training. It came that super really handy. <laughs> so what, what I found was that inking, which is somewhat the same thing as you know, eyeballing, tracing, sure. mm-hmm. I can't lose that those those are the original seeds of the way you take in work when you're younger especially mm-hmm. your brain is it's just like the synapses are connecting and so you're just at that point where what comes in really sticks hard and it will stick stylistically and mm-hmm. it it might suggest um you know when you look at something like love and rockets and you see yeah. You, you see Archie all over. Sure. You see Betty and uh, yes, Veronica. Yeah, you can the way see their influences, walk. absolutely. Well, they catch them. I mean, that, they, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, you know, <laughs> and, and that, that if, depending on what you land on mm-hmm. at, at that key moment, that can, that can, you know, say whether you're going to draw like Neil Adams or you're going to mm-hmm. draw like Peanuts. Yeah. And, and it's really good to, uh, I, you know, I recommend people, you know, aspiring cartoonists do that with any number of things and just copying like mm-hmm. that. Same thing, you know, uh, fine artists do that. Well, they'll, they'll sure. paint a master Absolutely. painting to get the quality of light that Rembrandt Absolutely. got or whatever. And so that's that's the launch point. And then pretty much I building block from there. I have them uh, working on getting a sketchbook, drawing from life as often as possible. I, I try to get them to not just Google search everything, yeah. but go out and draw, mm-hmm. uh, do a, a sketchbook tour of, say, their neighborhood, mm-hmm. and then turn that into a, a comic where, say, they overheard a conversation that the, while they were sitting on a corner. It's really good to do this assignment when the weather's nicer, of yes. course. Um, very <laughs> difficult. It's, you know, get a, I get a lot of in my room. Yeah, you know, yeah okay. <laughs> you know, in my dorm room assignments, which is fine, too, because, you know, it's just like uh, observation. And yeah. that mm-hmm. it's uh, also just promoting the idea that there's nothing dumb to draw. There's yeah. like... You know, fire hydrants are interesting, yeah. and and you constantly have yes. to update your catalog. And the artist brings it to life. Yeah, yeah. and and it's it's really interesting to see what artists have. Um, you take uh, somebody like Will Eisner, he up he was updating and updating to about 1970, and then it kind of stopped. And you can see mm-hmm. in his work this stylistically, his hippest characters mm. look like they're from the 70s. Yeah. Whereas you take somebody like Crum or, or uh, Chris Ware and you can see they're updating their visual yeah. catalog all the time yeah. because there's a lot of life drawing done there, a lot of sketchbooking. And that's another thing that I just, you know, happily, yeah. I'm, I'm drawn to doing that myself yeah. and I, f- I found it. I try to always couple in class very real world examples like, look, I drew in my sketchbook. I have I now have Diario de Oaxaca and mm-hmm. Drawn to New York, which is this is like straight out of my sketchbook. And whenever I can, I try to sell work from my sketchbook as jobs, so that mm-hmm. I'm creating these things and then finding, you know, then going after like yeah. the job, you know, in a secondary way. So do what I want, 
then find that. Okay. It's possible to do that. It's difficult, mm. of course. It's a lot of hunting and it's a lot of like looking around the world. I, I do a, a f- semi-regular piece for Internacional, uh, in, uh, in, I'm sorry, Interzona in Italy. Uh, they, they do like a double-page sketchbook yeah. spread. Mm. And every time I, mm. you know, if I travel, I'll send them a couple of pages from that. Uh, with a little bit of writing, and so that which becomes journal comics, yeah. and that so that's uh, you know another it's a way in on doing that and discovering stories. Uh, I have a one of the assignments is a dream assignment. I get them uh, thinking about like like write down your dreams like starting now. It's yeah. A, do you have the right scripts or or, uh, or is I, that well? Just we, curious. Yeah. We talk about that, mm-hmm. and I and what I do is I show them my process as quickly as as possible and i do a real i i I found through trial and error i keep returning to the same process which involves sometimes uh um, especially for a longer piece uh sometimes writing notes just detailed notes in Mm -hmm. thumbnails i'm just sort of like this is what will happen on this page or Mm -hmm. or outlining like a bunch of things i want to have happen and then see how many pages that's going to take and do that all really really small i mean by thumbnail i mean literally like it's a it's two pages is a you know, one inch by half an inch. And so that I don't jump ahead and put time in on something that then, oh, I don't want to undo that and erase it and all that. The the smaller you work, the easier it is to change your mind. And also, there's that overview quality that you get when you work really small. Um, I don't, you know, when I send a comic to somebody, my finished comic, so I send a a spy versus spy, Mm -hmm. Another, another piece in, of yes. work that, that yes, you do. That I'm yes. now in my 17th yes. year of, yep. of doing. And, and actually this this year, uh, another spy, uh, or actually uh, in no- November, another spy collection came out. Okay. We've left out a lot of things, another folks. Another 10 years. Uh, so. Your, your, anyway. your, uh, your but, memoirs. Uh, the, yes. The uh, autobiographical work. But, we'll, you know, but so we'll have to do another podcast. But, but go on. <laughs> what, th- yeah, that was just a lead-in to say that <laughs> what happens to me often when I send somebody a comic that 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 uh, file when I see it appear in in embedded in in the email mm-hmm. and I see it that size I will often go oops like I see like what I could have done better <laughs> because you get this over you something that yeah. you can't really get you can't get far enough away from your page yeah. so my process then continues with that writing thumbnail uh, maybe a script or re- really a synopsis mm-hmm. of well, what's what's going on then a th- thumbnail at that same tiny size to always. If it's a two-page spread, mm-hmm. always do them both at the same time so I can see visually what's happening so that mm-hmm. I know how the reader is going to look at sure. it and where the page turns fall and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, take that and blow it up a little bit more so it's basically maybe half size or a third mm-hmm. of the size of the book. And I actually, when I'm doing a, a graphic novel, I will create little booklets and draw it at this very small size as tightly as I can with as much reference as I can. And then I take that and I blow it up and I use mm-hmm. that to do a tighter pencil that will be same size mm-hmm. as the finished finished book. And then I take that and I blow it up another maybe 20% larger. And that's what I ink and color. And that way, for example, I figured out what size the word balloons need to be if there's word balloons. Mm-hmm. All the information. So I know what it's going to look like at size. Like if I worked large mm-hmm. for starters, I might make either the type too small or too large, or I wouldn't know, mm. and I need to know exactly mm. what that's going to be and make all those adjustments. So there's something like five steps, because then there's then there's mm-hmm. inking, and then there's coloring, and lettering, of course, is now, another. Now, in your own uh, work, do you use digital techniques, and do you teach that in the class, or are you old school? 
I'm very old school, but I don't completely dissuade digital techniques. Uh, you know, mm. of because at bare minimum, there's scanning as an important yeah, part. Exactly. Of the I mean, I, I, even the old school people consider do scanning almost all the time. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, of course, in the new world, mm. essentially, publishers are expecting me to not only do the work, um, but also. You hand in a finished book, which often means now I I'm a control freak, so designing, so no problem. Yeah, so, well, <laughs> the only problem is somehow or another the money hasn't shifted to yeah. incorporate yeah, that. Yes, that's and always an issue. Yeah. There's that there's that <laughs> nagging feeling that about four people have lost their jobs in the process of me doing uh, essentially mm-hmm. the typesetting and you know the, the layout, the layout and, and design. So there's all used in design and the yeah, whole deal. Yeah. All yeah. all those stages, which at least at bare minimum, mm-hmm. I still I'm I'm constantly pining for that. moment moment when there'll be somebody I can work with, which happens on occasion, yeah. who at least will, will double check what I've done mm. because it's just the horror of going straight from my computer to the printer. And often, by the way, I also end up digging, finding the printer yeah. and, and <laughs> negotiating with them in, in part because I like to go down to the printer like I, I, I usually it's printed in Southeast Asia mm. but one of the printers I use has offices in New York and I go down there I can look at what the latest cool. print job mm-hmm. they've done and what new technology has occurred like mm-hmm. as a result of visiting their offices with Diario uh, de, de Oaxaca mm-hmm. for example I had uh, debossing uh, mm-hmm. you know how I mm-hmm. use spot gloss in it I had mm-hmm. a ribbon you know, just because I was, looked at all these books, the system looks mighty good too. It's well, got all I, kinds of like I did, I did all the know, same cool thing stuff going on. Belly bands. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm like learning, cool, to, to, you yeah. know, terminology that I never, you know, like. Uh, now, well, do you teach this in the class or? Yeah, yeah well, so I, t- yeah. I talk about all this, yeah. and the end of the class, I have them do a mini comic of the uh-huh. thirteen, say twelve, thirteen assignments that they have have done. Mm-hmm. It's all my class is all black and white, mm-hmm. all one page every week. Mm-hmm. All in, in basically the same format, which they invariably ignore. Um, <laughs> another thing that seems to, that, that crazily is always ignored is putting your name on your piece. And I, you know, I, I ask that, of course, in part because I, for, you know, I'm like, I'm trying to learn people's names. I have 12 people yeah, well, I have to learn as quickly as possible. Um, and, you know, and with, with various waves of student bodies, there's a lot of uh, uh, people from China, for example. Mm-hmm. So they'll have a fairly complicated name that just about the time I'm learning it, they go, oh, call me Helen. <laughs> you know, there's like, go. okay, so there's two names. There's <laughs> there four, three, go. five names. Um, so, uh, but but it's, it's an interesting thing because I, I don't know why, but it, it, maybe it's a generational thing. You know, I was fairly bold with putting my name on pieces because I was like, I want you to know who yeah, did absolutely. the piece, incorporated, <laughs> etc. But... Um, so the, the end result is a finished comic and uh, I yeah, guess a little, little mini, mini, comic. mini Comic-Con in your classroom? Or yeah, then, yeah. Then, then there's a show. Uh-huh. Um, that, mm-hmm. that, and in fact, the whole department has a show and that is, is part of it. And so then we put it, the work up on the wall, but then they make mini comics that everybody in the class gets a copy of. And then I get like the super prototype of it. Where that's the one place where they can do, say, a, a color cover and maybe mm-hmm. and consider folding out a... I bring in our. I, I I like to do silkscreen artist books as well. That's you know mm-hmm. having a career in in comics and doing an art career has for me at least been this scattershot approach of I'm doing um, limited edition things. Mm-hmm. I'm teaching. I'm doing graphic novels. Uh, you know some fine arty you know gallery yeah, kind of gallery things, shows for sure gallery yeah. shows all that is in order to mm-hmm. actually do what I would say like 
I do say like I just do comics, and even if it's teaching, I consider that part of the mm-hmm. umbrella of that. Yeah. I don't I don't have a B plan. The profession means more than just actually making comics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and I basically try to you know I try to you know I promote the notion that 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 doing that isn't doesn't strictly mean you know it, it's it's like you can. You want to consider all these possibilities, all these avenues, and and for that matter, even being as a cartoonist, if you have a show, you might think sequentially about how you can design a show, and mm-hmm. getting into the brass tacks of all that, and you know, so the outside the box part that I when I I mean I, I'm basically teaching the same class that I'm teaching at School of Visual Arts, I'm talking about all these different avenues that say mural painting, for mm-hmm. example, is can be included in that, and I show examples. Of people like Chris Ware who've done, you know, giant scale things mm-hmm. like that. Um, a lot of you know, a lot of artists. You see that work mm-hmm. in New York, and and also just kind of like how you might keep your eyes open and see work that's tangentially in the sequential mm-hmm. art world. Sure. And you know that I'm encouraging people to go to museums and and mm-hmm. see shows and look at animation and look at you know we um, the beauty of the modern world. Even though I'm old school in so many ways, is while going along and also the beauty of Harvard is I have a, a teaching assistant and so yeah, when I mention cool. something boom it's up on the screen from you know we google yeah. you know, like I referenced at one point um, the idea of how to define characters through costumes I was pointing out in somebody's work mm-hmm. how like everybody seems to be wearing white t-shirts and you know they're these nondescript clothing you can already be telling us something about the character through costumes so here's an example and we jump to alfred hitchcock's strangers on a train the opening sequence which of course happens to be on youtube uh-huh. that you know perfectly placed where the introduction of the characters are sh- these feet these sh- mm. characters are walking towards each other and you're seeing little bits and pieces of them but it yeah. isn't until they bump into each other on the train which of course was an influence on the system yeah. um, that yeah. you that the camera zoom moves up and you see who the two characters mm-hmm. are but it, the one has wingtip shoes the other mm-hmm. has tennis shoes and that's already you know something about the mm-hmm. characters so that it's it's beautiful to be able to jump around like that and even um, you know just as something crosses my mind and since I'm also interested in illustration and and cartooning like say New Yorker cartoons mm-hmm. and animation um, that that's one whole aspect of it and we can just leap over there mm-hmm. and I can point at a George Price cartoon from the New Yorker mm-hmm. that there's a guy who's a, in a single image is a very sequential thinker and to see how he's drawing your eye around the space and and you know what artists do that in when they're doing a single image i'm curious and this is this is just ball curiosity uh, teaching at SVA, teaching at harvard i mean the student bodies uh, have you had to adjust is there a difference um i mean I, SVA, i assume are most are really focused on being artists and uh, is that the same at harvard or are they is this an elective, or are the, are you getting art students? Yeah, well, there's um, I take all almost every art student um, that, that, that's in the art program, and that's fairly small mm-hmm. for Harvard. Th- them I take. So, like, say my first six students are are shoe ins because they're in the art program, okay. and in some cases, uh, um, there was a student, uh, Kayla Escobedo, who was the one of the people uh, who brought me to Harvard. You know, she basically mm-hmm. was saying, I want to do comics yeah. and I'm very interested in this form and there's nobody to, you know, at Harvard that teaches it. And, and she was a key person for applying that pressure. Well, so she was a perfect example of somebody very deeply embedded mm-hmm. in the arts program, really already doing comics. 
But what I find fascinating and what I miss from School of Visual Arts is having somebody who is a medieval studies uh, student who's interested in comics yeah, and bringing so, that yeah. into it. And this mm-hmm. is, for me, actually kind of the joy of where things can go with mm-hmm. comics because I had a law student, uh, um, the English majors, so you'll have people who are bringing a different sensibility and yeah. maybe they don't have all the chops together, right. but they have that, that other knowledge that comics you know, is desperately... In need of, yeah, and and so somebody who say might do a, a you know a history student uh, who has some drawing chops is going to you know I am I'm, I'm already saying like you have an opportunity to do a, a graphic novel, you just you keep your your drawing chops going and you keep on studying sure. history that way you're going to have some very interesting things to tell us. So that's because as we know this medium can do anything. <laughs> yeah, and, and that I'm really interested in seeing what people who don't come from the discipline yeah. might do. Um, there, there's always that that problem of the incestuousness of, of the form, mm-hmm. which is you know it's it's the it, it certainly is a problem with mainstream comics and it and because the alternative comics and underground comics that's been mm-hmm. around long enough, you have the same incestuous. Yeah. Factors coming in there where people are starting to look like each other, or you know, and you know, mea culpa. I'm, I, I have my my you know sources, and if I see something I love, I'm yeah. drawn to try it. Um, so, uh, so that's that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is the uh, as um, Ruth Lingford, who hired me, pointed out. Like, and this was a very important piece of information because I was definitely terrorized by the notion of like I'm going to walk into Harvard and like this is this is a little you know I, what's the level here and <laughs> okay. um, and she said just remember they're not an alien race of super um, intelligent beings and I don't know why yeah, well, but that was just you know, all I needed to hear and I was like oh right right they're humans you snap yes. out of your Harvard like so, you, you know, know and I was in that you're mesmerized yes, yes. and I was yeah. in that like okay, okay I'm ready for this and the very first <laughs> class somebody had a title in Latin and I looked at it and I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> and uh, one of the uh, and the other students said, looked at it and said, uh, I don't fucking speak Latin. What the what does that say? <laughs> there it goes. And it's I like, just and the, the air went, <laughs> and I, the sweat withdrew. And go. I was like, oh, OK, I think I can handle I, I can say I don't speak Latin in, yeah. in English myself. Well, look, we're, uh, we're getting down to the wire here, but I do want to ask you a couple more questions. Now, have any of the Harvard students, you know, continued on? I mean, do, uh, are they still continuing to make cartoons? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I, um, I'm in touch with any number of them. I mean, that's right. one, of the, one of the things that's notable about Harvard students is they have a tendency to stay in touch. And they, uh, uh, they um, reach out when they're and let me know what they're yeah. they're doing very often in fact you know write a letter of recommendation for example <laughs> but um one of my students is um uh was is aiming himself at Pixar uh there uh, Kayla yeah. um is doing is working on you know I know she's doing comics because I've seen some mm-hmm. of them uh, uh one of my students started a comics ma- first comics magazine at Harvard uh, right. Several of them are, right. are associated with the Harvard Lampoon, and in fact, Very uh, good. my last class, which was extremely exciting, um, uh, Art Spiegelman came up. Um, one of the beauties of, of that uh, is that um, I can also I can invite people up. Art wasn't one of the people I invited. Actually, Harvard invited Art up, but I invited this semester. I invited um, Gary Panter, right. and yeah. the last time I taught, uh, Ben Catcher yeah. and Steve Brodner, fantastic political right. illustrator, sure. came up. And so there's that. I, 
the joy of saying, hey, it's Harvard, and, and people are willing to jump on the train yes, and come yes, up there. Yes, they were. <laughs> in the case of, of Art, uh, he was coming up to give a, t- a talk, yeah. which was a general talk, and um, we got to go to the Harvard Lampoon, and they inducted him, and got we got the private behind-the-scenes tour uh, where you get the, there's like a secret, like literally in the library there, mm-hmm. one of the walls opens up. And this is a you cartoon's get to go, dream. Oh, yeah, no. It's, it's, it's secret fantastic. Passage oh, no, secret passageway? Oh, secret passageway. And it's like, and here's the couch where John Updike lost his virginity. Oh, my, we loving it. You know, yeah. and it's like, so So that whole scene there is, it's, it, all of that is pretty goddamn exciting. Yeah. And so that, that's one of the joys of, of being up there that, uh, um, you know, added bonus. Well, I, I, I think the secret passageway into the National Lampoon is a perfect place to sort of slow down and stop Harvard here. Harvard Lampoon. The Harvard, excuse me, the <laughs> Harvard Lampoon. Um, but, um, yeah, what did I say? The National Lampoon? Yeah. Yes. Well, which, <laughs> is an out, which is an outro. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess, um, really, I wanted to give you a chance. What are you doing now? I mean, any uh, books, events uh, coming up? Um, you can talk about that. Yeah. yeah well, just before okay, we... Uh, very quickly, let's yeah. see. Uh, June uh, June second, I'm going to be giving a talk uh, on wordless comics and the system Good. Good. at uh, Columbia University. Ah, not uh, bad. Then on this uh, university thing is uh, yeah, piling it's, up. it's apparently yeah. piling yeah. up. Yes, uh, and uh, <laughs> and then June fourth, uh, um, Bob Sikorek has a regular uh, comics uh, oh, sure. presentation called Carousel. Yeah, sure, Carousel. Down mm-hmm. at uh, Dixon Place, mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing one of those, uh, and then on uh, the 19th. It's a Thursday at Blue Stockings. Is all of course mm-hmm. in sure, New York, yeah. New York this City. This is my neck of the woods. Your Lower East Side. Um, I love it. We're yeah. going to be having the release of the World War Three anthology, which is going to be. Uh, we'll, I'll be doing a presentation awesome. along with a bundle of other cartoons. Thirty-five years of thirty-five uh, great years of, uh, uh, activist cartooning. Yep, and uh, and and it's ongoing too. It's yes, know, and it continues. This is not this is not the uh, yeah. the headstone for the yeah. magazine. This is, <laughs> I just edited an issue recently. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they, again, I, there's a new uh, Spy vs. Spy book and. I'm working on a now 320-page new graphic novel um, that is going to be uh, all, all about Mexico and uh, the migration of the monarch butterfly is, is folded yeah. into that. It's got a little bit of that interconnected lives factor and uh, pretty much all the experiences I had in Mexico turned into a fictional account. That sounds like uh, Peter Cooper podcast part two. Yeah. So uh, well, we'll have to have you back to talk about that. Deal. Uh, and on that note, um, Peter, thanks so much uh, for being a guest on More to Come. My pleasure.